0: Oh, I just, all right, we're recording. Let me go into here. Hi, and welcome to the Govcom Biz podcast where I share my experiences with government contracting. My name's Linda Rawson, and today we're going to be talking about the perspective of the contracting officer. Not just any contracting officer, but the contracting guy. So, Dr. James Phillips is here to describe how he interviewed small businesses to understand what the contracting officer sees from their side when they submit a proposal to the government. And with that, I'll let him introduce himself.
1: Well, thanks, Linda. Appreciate that. This is this is wonderful. You know, I have. You know, I'm, I'm rather humbled that you're asking me to actually interview because. I generally hide behind my computer and uh, do my things. But one of the things I really enjoy in, uh, over my 30 years of government contract experience is my work particularly with small businesses, namely uh, the VBOCs and the PTACs that have uh, asked for my help. When I, uh, my last government work was with the Department of Veterans Affairs. And I worked as a CEO there and also as a program manager. Being able to help out the small businesses understand the mind of the contracting officer was critical to me. With too many times the small businesses jumped out and, and presented information that I had to come back and say, yeah, I'm sorry. No. So I'm excited and thank you very much.
0: Yeah. Yeah, of course. So tell us a little bit about your journey. I mean, what, how did you even become a contracting officer?
1: Oh my goodness. That's a tough one. Uh, I started off in 1974 joining the air force and in 19, uh, 1985, I transferred over to the Navy in the supply Corps. from there. I've learned a lot of the supply aspects of the supply chain and things of that nature, but I always wanted contracting because it just kind of tickled me. Um, I said, okay, this sounds pretty good. Well, in 1991, I had the opportunity to work for DCMA and it was, I'd say it was a life changer because I, I got to do something I really like to do. I never had that experience before. I mean, I loved my career, but that was really cool stuff. And I had the opportunity to be able to take a look at how the government works with small business. Now, what also came to mind was the importance of good specifications uh, that the government presents to itself and then over to small business. The way that DCMA did business was they received contracts from a major command, they then manage those contracts after award. And what happened is that we would get a number of small businesses that just go, uh, I can't do this because the specifications are written this way. And it caused me to wonder as a, uh, as a post award guy, they said, well, why is that? Why, you know, why, why didn't the PCO get it right? You know, why couldn't they get it right the first time? So, Uh, rather than causing me and the small businesses difficulty on the back end. So it was a lot of fix on the back end. And I really did like that.
0: Well, interesting. So let's see, you've been, you've been a contracting officer well, in or out for about 35 years or more. Is that true?
1: That's true. That's true. I had uh, been, a. I started out with as a contract administrator and then, Over to uh, becoming a a contract, uh, a terminations contracting officer. I did have a brief hiatus during a period of time where I left government. So I worked as a program manager for the uh, the Boy Scouts of America. That was kind of interesting, running a camp. So, uh, but (laughs) what what I learned from that is a certain amount of skills that are necessary in supply chain. You know, while uh, in the Navy, I did a number of things. While I was the Boy Scouts running a camping operation, being able to keep things going with a a strong supply chain and a good personnel uh, system became very important every year for the boys to enjoy their summer camps and things of that nature. At some point, I joined the Department of Veterans Affairs, I think it was 19, you know, uh, was it 2002, let's see, 2000, yeah, 2001. And I worked for the Boy Scouts of America, then the the VA, and I worked for the VA at in Cleveland, Ohio. I worked there for about three years and then was transferred over to the, the VA's patient safety office over in Ann Arbor. And there I learned other aspects of, of customer service. My contracting was pretty sound, but the other pieces there were Listening to the voice of the customer, I needed to know what they're asking because I found as a contracting officer, if I remain insulated from the customer, I get a requirement coming to me. I look at it. I read it. If, if I read that and read it incorrectly, I was, I was sure to screw it up. I mean, just absolutely sure. If I had a particular horror story uh, that had to do with that, let me just share that with you for a moment. I of had course. a. We love I stories. Had, <laughs> well, I had a. Well, you know, it's like, is it? A, is it a, I'm necessarily proud of it. I just want to tell you is that an area of of a, one of those watershed moments in my professional uh, experience, where I needed to know that I talked to the customer. Well, the customer sent me information. And, and I read it. And I followed the generic rules that we followed as contracting people and which said, well, you know, it's not a, it's not on a contract. They're asking for this. I'm sorry. We can't meet that, but we'll get you this a substitute, if you will. Well, the reality was is that no substitute would work. It had to be that and it was a chair. It had to be that chair or nothing. And the chair was important because it fit in a small space. And uh, if you're familiar with the concept of of uh people taking blood, what do they call that? Uh plasma uh, or, or I mean, uh, it could be plasma, it could or, be uh, dialysis. Yeah, Philanthropy.
0: what's it uh, uh, philodom- There we
1: are. <laughs> and they and, and it was a special chair for um, I think it was particularly for a phlebotomist, but also it kind of leaned back for those who are, in, you know, have diabetes because it was a place that they were going to sit for a while. What happened was that I ordered the wrong chair, the chair didn't fit and it was just a miserable experience. I mean, cause now you had to fix it. And if I would have taken the time and this is why it's so instrumental and in a watershed moment in my personal experience, if I'd have taken the time, walked over, looked at the spot, asked good questions, I would have that I would have solved the problem because I would have seen the problem. I failed to do that. And that's why I look at contracting people and why I mentor contracting people is that I want them to see the problem, not just read it, but observe it, feel it, touch it, know what they're trying to solve when they're writing when they're writing a specification. Because in the end somebody else is gonna use the fruit of their work. And if it's screwed up, it's screwed up. So I learned that was a watershed moment for me. The guy moved on over to the uh, patient safety office in, 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 uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I learned some other areas of contracting that dealt with, um, you know, some of it was leasing, some of it was construction, some was uh, uh, IT work, But what I also learned is that people, you know, these are the things that people wanted to get right the first time. And I had to, the lesson learned I had back at the chair incident, I applied here because I was not going to have my, my customer experience what I did. And, uh, you know, I take ownership of that, but I don't, it's not with great pride. It's just like, okay, you know, you better own it afterwards. And if you own it, learn from it and grow from it. So I, um, I took that and I, I carried it on to my work with the uh, the VA. Now, I started to get introduced with the small business in, in uh, Ann Arbor because I started working with the PTACs in Ann Arbor. And Michigan also has something called the, the Veterans Business Resource Center, or VBRC, mm-hmm. part of the uh, SBA's VBOC program, the Veterans Outreach Program. I started doing business with them, and you're familiar with the notion of the meet the buyer. And I said, okay, I'll go to meet the buyer events. So I do this. And I start to hear rumblings about uh, dissatisfaction. Well, we're not getting any contracts. We're not finding any opportunities available. As, As you know, going back to my chair thing, I said, I need to know more about this to be able to answer those questions and direct them. So what I did was, start developing small training programs for the PTACs to help them guide their clients uh, to move in a better way. Now that better way is what I brought to the table, what I call my my more of a secret sauce, if you will, is, is that I tell them the way the contracting officer sees things. Now, there's, mm. now, I've just told you my secret sauce. So everybody out there, <laughs> you just heard it. Secret sauce. I, secret sauce. Bang, bang, bang. I want them to know what the contracting officer is looking at. Because it's one thing about someone teaching about how the process is supposed to work, but there's still another human looking at it at the other end. And they have to reach out to that person, albeit on paper, and make sure that they connect. And when they can't connect, you're not going to be able to get a uh, an award of a contract. So what I talk about is how to connect on paper with a contracting officer. Now, there's some opportunities where you might be able to connect on a phone or an email or something. But on paper, how do you connect? And so the driver for me was to be honest, to say, this is, when you present your information, this is what the contracting officer does. Uh, that's, you know, I don't know what to make of this. You know, the, the, this proposal that's been presented is disjointed or disconnected. It's not, there's not a continuous flow. So one of the things that I stress to small businesses, or any business for that matter, is that when you have a solicitation you connect it, you strategically link it to that proposal because that's how the government looks at it. You want to make sure that the human that's looking at the other end make it as easy as possible for them to make the connection. If you that's
0: make it so important, just oh, huge. And, and, oh
1: god. It's just <laughs> like you know, you could just have a revelation just on that moment itself. Is that you have to connect, and if you connect. In a linkage fashion, you you now then have won their heart because they know that you have paid attention and that you are attentive to the process. And the process is, is is critical. So I, I give another an example. I said, here it is. The contracting officer, when they receive your proposal, they'll take your proposal, put the solicitation next to it, and they'll link it. Now, the more... You make it difficult for them to link it, the more difficult it's going to be for you because they're going to uh, eventually, and I would do this, I would say, well, apparently they don't know what they're talking about. If they make me search through their proposal for my answers, then there's a problem here. They don't know what I'm talking about. And I don't, and for me, I think that I have less confidence in a small business that can't do that. Mm-hmm. And it's about confidence. One of the, uh, one of the statements I make in, uh, in my book, I talk about, uh, trust. I said, it's about yeah, let's, trust. Uh, oh, just right here. I, yeah. I have this book right here. <laughs> and, and in, the, in the book, I, I, I have a little bit of a, a phrase when I say, it's this, it's a matter of trust. Your response to my solicitation must convince me that you understand my requirement key. That's so huge. that is selecting you. I will get the job done successfully and not regret my decision in selecting you. And will consider you for future opportunities. Now what that page is, is that on? That is like, if you open the first, open the first page, yeah. I wrote, ab- I think I wrote above it from there. Okay. Got it. It's right there. It is like, it is to me is one of the most profound things that, that drives my my thinking on this now, as I, I had, um, I'll tell you this. I mentioned about my secret sauce. What's my secret sauce? You know, I tell you my perspective. I, I will not, I will tell you this is that I've never had a government contract. Cause as a contractor, I have never had uh, as a, uh, as a consultant, I haven't a government government contract. What I do have is knowledge of the system that you're entertaining. And if you understand it the way I understand it, you're going to the person who is going to be submitting a proposal will have a higher likelihood of being uh, being able to prevail. Now I have a reluctance to say winning contract. You know, oh see, so I can, you know, you do this and you'll have a winning contract. And I go, Really, that is a tough call. What I like to point out is that. I will help you to have a very competitive proposal. You'll be competitive when you do and listen to what I have to say and you do what I, I've asked you to do in my, my, my book is that you'll be competitive. Now, it's still up to the small business to be able to add their secret sauce, their competitive advantage to the, uh, to the proposal. So what is that? What is, it, what is it the secret sauce that I'm asking a small business to add? Well, it, it's a, it's actually kind of a gap analysis analysis between what the government is asking and what your competitors are offering. What are you doing to fill that need? Now, it is difficult when you start looking at, um, let's say, for example, if you're selling products. Well, what's the, you know, if you're selling a product, what might be your competitive advantage? Now, I'll say, as a small business, your competitive advantage, in my opinion is your agility, your ability to be able to be nimble and solve problems quickly. That is where you can shine. The ability to be able to also respond to questions that the government might have. Your ability to be able to to handhold the government, if you will, to solve their problem. Because in the end, in the end, it's still about them. And that's another uh, an element of revelation or uh, being able to uh, revelation for a small business is that it's not about you. It's about the government. You solve their problem. When you solve their problem, they're going to be happy. That's going to bring joy to their heart and most likely come back to you again for seconds or thirds because they're going to have a positive past performance experience from you. And which is, you know, that's a good thing. But it is important that you have your you define what your competitive advantage is and you plug it in and oftentimes in a solicitation you might even see little little snippets of what they're asking for a competitive advantage they say well you know we're, we're requiring more program management oh okay okay program, <laughs> man- program management okay program management means management of your the program might mean reporting uh, that also probably gives you an inclination that maybe in a previous contract, they had poorly performing contractors that didn't report. So they now put it into the solicitation. Well, that should drive your your perspective on what to offer Is say, here, we offer great. Um, we have a protocol for reporting on these types of things. And here's our protocol added to the solicit or added to the, your proposal. We have a way to solve your problem because in the end you want to have that comfort. The government has to be comfortable. And and when you can offer that by having this meeting of the minds, life is good. Life is real good. One of the things I ask in a solicitation, it's another, it's a pro, uh, it's like a five step. Well, that's five. Okay. That's five, five step piece. And I call it the uh, Phillips solicitation analysis technique. And
0: is, is
1: that, that also in the book? book? It's in the book. Okay, great. It's in the book. <laughs> it, it, it is, it, it focuses this way. It says, it said, read the solicitation. Now, this is my go. This is common sense, Jim. Eh, no, it isn't. Because if it was, you know, I, why would I say it? Read the solicitation. You le- read to become familiar. You read to become familiar with the content. The second one is you read it for... meaning to understand it. Because one thing to be able to get familiar, you kind of like thumb through it. The other next one is like, you want to get in the depths. You want to get in the weeds on this. What's happening? The third step to this is to write a two paragraph summary of the requirement. Two paragraph Mm -hmm. summary. That is critical. And the reason it's critical is because you have to understand what's actually occurring. No, it doesn't have to be in the weeds. You have to give an executive summary of what's happening so that you can, you and your team, perhaps, can get their mind on what uh, uh, grasp of what's happening. And if you can understand that, you then can use that later on in your proposal, but people will be centered on that. It's kind of like a, your proposal mission statement, if you will. Ah. Now you know what's required. You can focus on that. The uh, the fourth and fifth pieces. One is the uh, uh, understand the or read the uh, instructional offerers, and the third and the last one is read the evaluation factors. Evaluation factors, as I as I present it, is and I, I've heard other col my colleagues and other people talk about it. But when I talk to small businesses about this, they said this is like this the, the sweetener, the flavor. You know, you can have chicken, but you want a Cajun. Well, you're going to have to add some spice to that. Well, I mean,
0: I, I usually look at the evaluation factors first, like, like, I want to know if I'm going to even qualify, like, and you know, if they're going to be judging my past performance, do I even have a past performance that I can sway into that? Or so it's almost like, I mean, I'm not quite following yours, but I'm like, I go right there to see and it's a, it's a go no go based on
1: that evaluation factor. Well that certainly can become a real big driver. And I, and I would say is that, you know who is the audience? You know uh, the contracting guys audience and the uh, in the in the work that I do in the book. You know my audience is really you know first second year small businesses the ones that are still trying to get settled and try to get try to figure out how the system works. Mm-hmm. Because at some point when the system you know, they start working it and they are, you know, receiving awards. know, so, you know, the information I have should be foundational work that they continue. But, you know, I don't really focus my attention there because by that time they're up and running. Where I see the failure or the defect is is that you present a lot of information and you can't use it. And the reason is, is that, for example, like the, the federal government they will have rules on, on small businesses or set asides and things. And it seems that they don't follow that. So when I don't, it's like, it just makes me kind of like tingly going in a weird sort of way. I like to be able to say, okay, notwithstanding what the government does, I'll tell you what the contracting officer does and I'll tell you how they look at it and how you can respond to them in a way, in a meaningful way that will project you to a more successful path. Now, I can't, and that's why I don't like saying to, uh, to small businesses, well, here's a winning strategy. And they go, I can't, I don't feel comfortable saying that because it still requires someone else to determine the win. I mean, I don't, Hey, here's the numbers for the lottery. Go and play those. You'll win. Uh, They didn't win. I go, well, they're still good. I mean uh, the, so I'd rather just say, here's what you'll, if you do these, you will focus on the, the areas of the government contracting officer. when they look at that, they will feel more comfortable with you. Comfort and confidence drive the ability to be able to get something. If they're not comfortable nor are they confident, they're not going to trust you. And if they don't trust you, they're not going to they're not going to pick you, you know, unless they have to. You know, but but they're not going to pick you. And then that's just the sad part is that so many people, want to jump out and get, you say, Hey, I did everything you sold me to do. And I go, well, that's not enough. You know? And even if you did everything I said, frankly, it still requires someone else to make a decision on what's good. And that's where it, that's where debriefings become extremely important. And you go, you submitted your proposal, you did not win. Um, so you go to the government and ask them, I'd like a debriefing. Could you just help me through this? And the government's response ought to be, sure. Uh, What's your question? Well, where where was I weak at? I want to be competitive in the future. Where did my proposal fall short? Now, that is a good way to approach things. Oftentimes, however, this is a small business going, uh, you know, uh, how come they won, not me? why you know why is it that you chose them i I'm, I'm a better contract or better contractor than they are and what you've done is you've put the government contracting officer in a precarious position where they're going to go yeah i don't want to talk to that person because they've made it they've you kind of alienated me and also you've kind of triggered their protest uh, hackles on their neck because, oh, they're going to protest, and so I'm going to give you as least amount of information that I can based on what the FAR tells me to release. But I'm not going to disclose the things that you want because you're going to use them against me and beat me like a hammer. So that's a – those are some of the little things that kind of, you know, I'd use the uh, – use, use what's available, but also recognize that there's still a human on the other side.
0: And so, what kind of services do you provide? I know you've taught for Govology, but what other um, do you do you provide professional coaching on proposals?
1: I do. I do. Well, thank you for asking that. You know, I a lot of my a lot of things have changed since uh, COVID. You know, at, at one time, my, my sort of bread and butter was to go out and do presentations at PTACS and for you know, for Govology and such. My online work has increased. Yeah, I, while the other stuff just flatlined. Um, so uh, what I often do is I still do the teaching. I do for Gov, uh, do it for Govology. I do my contracting uh, uh, The Contracting Guy podcast, a five-minute little podcast on topical areas of contracting. Uh, much of what I've talked about today would be in a podcast that I've presented. But also I, I do coaching. Uh, It's sort of as needed. Oftentimes, you know, I guess I'm probably a horrible consultant because well, the reason, you know, the reason is, is that my preference is to coach is to mentor. And, and, and I love the, I love my profession and I love what I do that I would go, okay, you know, Hey, we'll talk. You know, if you want to sit with me for you know an hour, and we'll kind of talk about what your problem is, I'll listen, and we'll talk about it. And then if if something is necessary, if you like still want to continue talking to me, okay, we'll work something out. But generally speaking, you know, it's I'm I, just like oh, okay. Well, if you don't come back, that's fine. I'm I'm okay. Or give me a call. I'll tell you anyway. So it's so it's. <laughs> I, you know when i win the award for the poorest consultant hey you know, at
0: least you're honest
1: about it right
0: yeah. <laughs> you're said, not well, a I poor didn't... consultant trying to like rake in money you know <laughs> yeah that's
1: it's, it's, it's not my frankly it's, you know in the wonderful world of what you know the contracting guy does or my the alter ego jim phillips does is that i'm a uh, i'm a husband i'm a grandfather i l- love my wife dearly we travel the picture that you see that's behind me is uh, an earlier travel we did through Utah. I mean, just absolutely love doing things together. So I also um, do some volunteer work for the uh, NCMa, uh, National Contract Management Association. So I'm I'm kind of um, so you're living your best life. I'm living the dream, you know. Yeah, I'm, sounds wonderful. You know, Linda, I am living the dream, and that uh, that and I'm I'm quite happy with that. Um, so. So if if money comes my way, that's fine. If it doesn't, you know, there's, there's, you know, God's been good to me.
0: So, okay. So I have a few questions. Um, So uh, when, when you submit um, a a technical proposal or a source of thought or a cost proposal, how important is that to look like graphically like a million dollars? You know, like I, I don't know how to explain it. Is is a simple proposal better than one that's, you know, a marketing
1: brochure? Okay, I'll use it. It is. Okay, I want you to just think for a moment. Just think. I want you to think. Put yourself in the position of the government. You you're a you're a person is sitting behind a desk. You receive this. And you go, what am I to do with this? Now, first off, you have to recognize that they may have to take that and convert it digitally. If it's a folded up brochure, if it's it's coloration, or if it's hard stock front, you know, that's like, okay, I'm not going to use that at all. So it, it what oftentimes, well, they'll also, if you make it nice and colorful, and they might make copies of it all black and white. Uh-huh. So you're, so everything you've done to make that thing look pristine has just been diluted to a very black and white, you know, uh, perspective. So my, you know, my consultation with others is saying, do it well, do it readable, do it traceable, have it linkage. Those linkages are critical. Do a linkage. But it doesn't have to be glitzy. It doesn't have to be uh, shiny brochures because the government doesn't isn't going to put value on your your uh, marketing material. They're just not. They're just going to say, okay, what do I render this down to something I can look at and compare it to. And if you recall, if you have that their solicitation, they're going to link it to that proposal. And it's more it's more it is better to have it linkable than it is to look good, you know, uh, aesthetically. If they can trace it, that's, you know, that's the, that's the design you want. Now, one of the tools that you use for tracing is a compliance matrix. Now they usually look at these as, as two different things with a compliance matrix in the middle. So if you have a solicitation, you have a compliance matrix, and then you have your proposal. The compliance matrix is used to, to follow the tracing from the solicitation to the proposal. And it answers questions, simple questions, such as, you know, am I able to do this or not? Where the government says, shall, can I do it? If I can't, then I would write, you know, make a notation on the compliance matrix because that'll trigger for me an action item to beef up for my proposal. There's something- Or to find
0: a teaming partner. Right. Or find a team
1: Actually, find yeah. a team partner or just say or, or or in the end you might even be a, a bid no bid said I'm sorry we can't meet these requirements right. so your but your compliance matrix will tell you that but you have to do that but they have to be linked so that you can follow this one over to this over to this usually it's a a solicitation particularly with a performance statement of work will have numbers. And you use those numbers that the government has created to trace it all the way across. So you would do that. So black and white's fine. In fact, black and white's better as long as it's linkable. If it's that's going to be the driver, there's a linking.
0: Uh, do you have any suggestions if a small business is just beginning government contracting and they have to represent... Their experience as past performance, so they don't have any federal experience, but they've got plenty of commercial experience. Do you have any suggestions as to, you know, what works there?
1: Well, that's that's also a good question because it is something that small, you know, someone entering into the government realm will will start to uh, eliminate themselves. Eliminate. Well, I don't have that experience with the government. And they said, well. the reality is, is that you oftentimes, in most instances, you're going to have some private experience or commercial experience. That commercial experience is transferable because the government's buying commercial items. So unless you're, you know, you're selling something that is a non-commercial item, and generally speaking, that's only to the Department of Defense, maybe to Homeland Security, perhaps, you're going to have a commercial item and that commercial item will have a track record and then you can then present that as part of your your uh your presentation or your proposal said so here i have this the government is not to discount you know uh, past experience that is not government they can look is at it, that as well
0: is it true that you i mean a lot of times i mean i think there's like a far regulation or something that they can't really kick you out for oh. not having past performance no right? in fact
1: uh, in fact actually Uh, The FAR says is that you can't be kicked out because of lack of past (laughs) performance. So if you have say, well, I have no performance. Oh, well, then that's no past performance. Okay. Well, all righty. Well, you have no past performance. That is not an elimination in and of itself. Past experience might be the driver that might kick you out because if you're looking at a performance requirement and you have no experience doing this, so this is your first whack at this experience. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm... You it's know, asking someone to make you know i want you to make lasagna well i never made it before but i can i go yeah we kind of had need the experience of a lasagna maker so <laughs> sorry doesn't count but from from a normal standpoint is that if you have experience uh doing something that is a, a commercial item that can transfer over to the government who are buying commercial items that experience, you know, actually does work. And if you don't have that, that's not a showstopper either, but you might be, you might have something now the one of the things that is helpful is that um, with no past experience is that, well, okay, well you might, you might want to talk about the experiences. And this is one of the things I, I said, well, if you don't have it in the first, you go to the second. The second is, well, the people that you're working with or the teaming, people you're teaming with, they might have experience or they might have something to offer that can help bolster the, the proposal and move that in your direction. For example, you might have, let's say, a project manager who's worked with federal government contracts. Well, the company might not have any experience, but you have someone who does have experience. So that may be of some value in looking at, all of the uh, uh, all of the requirements saying okay, well I got someone who's familiar with this. okay, well that's they shouldn't there should not be an exclusion for well I'm sorry you you don't have it so we're going to exclude you. even though under my scenario having this one guy who has that experience, they shouldn't back uh, shouldn't reduce the uh, competitive range just because of that
0: right? So, uh, do you have any like, uh, stories, like uh, funny stories or, or interesting stories about, uh, somebody that submitted something and you're like, what is this? Right. Oh my
1: goodness. Oh, (laughs) Uh, I see. I have a, I I think perhaps a couple, but, but here's, and this really kind of goes back to some of the things when I talk about, I bring it from the contracting officer's perspective, and this is when I was doing face-to-face presentations it was, I would tell someone, you know, I said, "Here, here's an example. I had a small business, you know, they submitted a proposal and the proposal had somebody else's name on it. it didn't oh. have my, my name on it or the oh. government's name. It had oh, somebody else. Wow. It, was made, it, was, <laughs> it was made for someone else. And yet what would happen is, and then this is where I go into a, a a long diatribe about, you know, being, you know, serving leftovers. I said, nobody wants to serve leftovers. I don't want the leftover for your last contract being my proposal here. And I have to look at it. I see at the bottom, uh, you know, an indication that this wasn't for me. You wrote this for someone else and you just rebranded it for me. So, (laughs) So that's why when I stress to small businesses, I go, you have to make sure a couple things. One is that if you're going to use some another, you know, somebody else's work or or work that you've used elsewhere, scrub it. Also, make sure you save it as a different PDF. Don't save it as a Word file. Also, when you do these things, make sure that, you know, if you look at some of the documents, they will be, you know, if you look at sort of a, a document record, you look up there and you'll say, track file and see what happened. I said, track changes. And you go, oh my goodness, this wasn't mine. Or you'll see some of the secret sauce that they have to put together this particular proposal. You got to get rid of that because government people aren't stupid. They're going to go look at it. And then we're going to, is that what I would tell them? I said, then we would laugh at you. We would laugh, oh. and laugh, oh. and we would laugh because that is just absolutely <laughs> stupid that you would do that. And and it says, you should feel, you should feel silly for presenting that to us. That's probably <laughs> one of the most egregious ones that I've had is that, uh, uh, that instant. Another, another one is, is a little bit more, um, it's not, I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's kind of, it's, it's disappointing is that I was doing a home oxygen program, a contract for the federal government to the department of veterans affairs. We were looking at um, home got oxygen and it was a durable medical equipment or DME. And these are to be delivered to the veterans at their homes. So this one company had presented, uh, here's, this is our DME people. That's the equipment, beds, bedpans, stuff like that, oxygen concentrators and stuff. And then there's a, then there's the home oxygen piece. There's a two. And they said, okay, here's our, Here's my guy who's overseeing this. We hired him specifically for this. Okay. So I'm sitting at an oral presentation and I ask, I look over to the, uh, the, uh, the director of the home oxygen program. And I ask him a question and the owner speaks up and I'm like, "Hmm, okay, I see how this works. She spoke, I talked to this person and the owner speaks up. Okay. I said, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to them. So I asked another question or the same question and the owner speaks up. Well, at this point I'm getting a lot of mixed feeling (laughs) about how important this, this director is because they were a, you know, a major piece to their, uh, their plan. But if the person can't speak, and uh, is unable to articulate what the, um, the outcome is for the home oxygen program. I'm losing confidence, like precipitously. It's like, okay. Now, ultimately we ended the discussion. They left proposals were submitted and I, uh, and, and I made the decision to go with the other contractor. Now this company then protested me. I said, okay, so I, my, I wrote my, all my information and I said, here's the bottom line is, when I ask this guy, you know, I need information from you, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be doing things for our veterans. And if you can't answer that question, then how am I going to rely upon you to be able to do the things for our veterans? Well, well, I just want to tell you, I won. Yay.
0: so i prevailed
1: on the protest but it was just the idea that that don't bring someone to the table and call them important and then not treat them that way or let them just you know uh, present themselves as being important because that's what that drove me they weren't they weren't going to get the job they were not they were not going to get the job so it's kind of you know it's funny kind of see some of these things because it is and that's one of the things i talk about with small businesses is that you know attention to detail things make a difference People look at this. I talk about that in the form of, of, if I'm going to trust you, if you can't present even a good proposal, how am I going to trust you that you're able to take care of veterans in their home? Exactly. And exactly. so, uh, so I, I said, everything everything is important. Exactly. <laughs> I told <So>. them, honestly, <laughs> even tell them this one here, Linda, is that I tell them that if you come in to visit me, I'm watching you as you walk out to your car. I said, well, that's freaky. I said, I said, I want to make sure, you know, I just, I want, I just want to make sure. Well, first off, make sure you leave. Secondly <laughs> is I want to make sure that everything is, is good because I, you know, I want to say that I don't want what you say in here is important. And then you sort of, you know, blow it off when you leave. I said, I just want to see you go and, and, you know, not, hang around or anything so i'm um i guess i'm just kind of funny like that but that's one of the things is that you you have to be professional in the meeting and as you leave the 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 building because people are going to make assumptions about you that you never would think uh and that's what and i would do that i'd make assumptions say okay you know obviously there's clearly something there was one incident it wasn't and it, and it triggers a thought on mine is that uh, now this this happened to a colleague of mine at, uh, the, uh, they were interviewing someone and that interview and the interview is over, everybody's sitting back, you know drinking their coffee, talking and the interviewee suddenly becomes you know becomes open and starts to speak in a more inappropriate way. At that point, one of the interviewers, you know, at that point, I said, okay, we're done. The interview is never done You know, while you're still sitting there. Whether you're sitting there prom, uh, you know, prim and proper or uh, sitting back, you're being interviewed. You're, and that's what I would do is that this is important. You need to be prepared for it. You need to have everything, your ducks in a row. You have to know what your competitive advantage is. You have to know why I care. So make me care about what you offer. So that I can, you know, so that I can look at you favorably.
0: And so um, what is, uh, and not necessarily what the solicitation was, but what was the most competitive? Like how many people submitted a proposal on something that you, you know,
1: a solicitation you had? I um, I think probably the biggest one they had was probably about 12. So it wasn't a lot. But and even
0: 12, I mean, you really have to work on your competitive advantage to show up at, to the top of a stack of 12. Well, when you start looking at 12, you know,
1: you putting yourself in the position of the government contracting guy, you're looking at how do I reduce the competitive grouping? So, and that becomes an important understanding of how not to get yourself dismissed from the, uh, uh, the alternatives. And a way to get dismissed is to have, you know, it not be uh, not to have your proposal complete. If something's missing, if there's, uh, if uh, if uh, as we start to rack and call rack and stack, we start putting these together. Look at the prices, kind of determine, you know, if these are too high or too low, or what's in the uh, the center. There's going to be. The government is going to be looking at ways to eliminate you simply because it can, not that because you aren't great. It's just that if you've given them a reason to say no, we'll find it and we'll take advantage of that. Right. I think that's and that's a, that's an important challenge for that because I, I as I look at it, you want to stay in the game as long as possible. Up to the point where maybe even the competitive where the government may even choose a competitive range. And with that, you're still in the, in the game. But as long as you, you know, if, if there's, I've looked at and I've discounted people for grammar, for spelling again, I'm looking at, when I look at that, I look at it from attention to detail, not necessarily as I'm the great, uh, you know, a great English teacher, but I'm like, here, okay. Do they have the attention to detail necessary? If somebody's put, you know, erroneous information there okay good i'll move them into the okay here's the loser stack (laughs) and then everybody else over here and so i'll play you know i'll 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 do that because for me i still have to get a contract award done so i have to to eliminate the low-hanging fruit first so they get back to the let's say the the five that are the most uh, likely to be selected So I'll make choices from there. And that's where we start getting into potential uh, reviews uh, or negotiation. If it's a best value procurement, you know, then I would look at, you know, we start with an evaluation team. And that's why the proposal, a technical proposal is really good. A linked technical proposal, excuse me, (coughs) a linked technical proposal with a, a, a compliance matrix is important because it allows the, Evaluation team to trace things that's where it becomes most important. Now, uh, that's all going to be spiced by the evaluation factors that you have included in the in notation on the in the uh, compliance matrix, but also in narrative form in the uh, in the technical proposal. Perfect.
0: Well, I think we should probably wrap up. We've been talking for quite a while. <laughs> oh yeah, I I think maybe even over an hour. I'm not really. Oh, sure. <laughs> really? Oh my god. So goodness. yeah, just uh, it's been super interesting. It's, it, it's fantastic for me. Just uh, really timely as well. So oh, super. Um, so I you know I always like to ask um you know number one how do they get a hold of you again so. Is there a website
1: they can go to? Well, I would, you know, I would actually ask you to take a look on um, YouTube. Okay. And I would go to YouTube, look up The Contracting Guy. Okay. I do have a website. It's uh, www.uspp. USPP comes from Understanding Solicitations and Preparing uh. for po- Dot .co, not com, but co. So I would do I would do that, but I would go to the website because I do have more information on there. I am available on LinkedIn as uh, as either the contracting guy or James N Phillips Jr., which okay. will also be listed as the contracting guy.
0: Okay. And then uh, so another question I really like to ask is: Have you read That's any a, interesting books lately?
1: Oh do you my! Have anything? Okay. Uh, uh, I, there's a couple books that I you know I have read. And am reading. So I, first I was, you know, this is at the risk of, of sounding like I'm a, you know, a shill for this. I'm not, but <laughs> I, have, I have read this and I am reading this because there's a lot of great information game changers.
0: It is like um, an incredible book. I, I, yeah, yeah.
1: no, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you now as, as the contracting guy is that I like this book better. And the the reason I'll tell you, it's honest. Here's the reason why. Because my book, as I see it, is a doing book. There's some books that are what I would call reading and reference and great material to know. These are like knowledge transfer books. My book, you know, on the other hand, I call it as a doing book because it requires it doesn't have stories. What it have is action uh, steps in there, right?
0: There's a lot of good worksheets
1: in there.
0: So there's a lot sure. of things
1: that you should be able to go through. So I mean, they actually complement each other. Uh-huh. They're very complimentary on that, and that's why I kind of like um, mine. Is I look at it is that small business wants to do this, they understand it, they get some un- further understanding, and if they want to get deeper into the weeds and you want to be able to get a better, a more uh, fleshed out understanding, this. This book has a lot of great help in regards to understanding key components. I refer to it even as the contracting guy. I go (laughs) to that one now. Another, another book as I'm, I've is this book now. You ask what kind of books is this book now? I'm not promoting it, but it's a book that I'm reading. Is six frigates. Oh, what is what is beneficial about this particular book? It is the history of the United States Navy. Uh, being a uh, retired naval officer. And it talks about the procurement of the first six frigates of the United States Navy and Ah. some of the challenges that came up with uh, that they came up with during that, uh, that time. So it's kind of fun to read this as a brand new country is looking at arming their Navy and not having any ships, what they did, how they did it, and then some of the logistics issues that they had to deal with. And that to me is kind of fascinating. Uh being a supply officer of the Navy, they speak to the things that I kind of did while I was in the Navy. So that's one of my uh one of my books that I'm reading.
0: Oh, awesome. That one sounds good too.
1: That's an well, interesting okay. read.
0: Is there um anything else that you'd like to say? Uh
1: well, I guess probably the I guess probably the takeaway is that. know everybody has the opportunity to be able to be successful it is to me how you channel your energy which will determine whether you're going to be really successful or just sort of trudging along Mm -hmm. what i suggest in the in the material that i've just shared with you today as well as the book that i showed you is that is that this is a way to get engaged at a very fundamental way I believe in strong foundational work is going to be, is important for you to succeed with more complex work later on. The more that you can develop this foundation, the better you're going to be as you develop the complexity that's involved with small business, with your industry that you're involved with, whatever it might be. Foundation work, critical. Perfect,
0: perfect. I loved it. Well, thank you for being on our show. And I, you know, look forward to more conversations and, um, and, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll have you back again and we'll talk about something different. So,
1: (laughs) all right. Wonderful. All
0: All right. Well, everyone have a great day. All right. Now my mouse isn't working up here. All right.